Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a new coalition has been formed to help remove families from substance abuse. We will not send the children back to an unsafe home. So our goal is to get those homes and the mothers fit to be able to take care of these children. But at the same time, we don't send those children back home until we know that they're safe. Then using retired state employees as contract workers. Later, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on Wi-Fi security. And a New Jersey company is reviewing how Mississippi funds public schools. But who is Ed Build? We'll take a look. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A Mississippi Supreme Court justice is leading a coalition to help combat the rising number of children in foster care because of parental drug abuse. The Children's Bureau, a federal agency, says the number of children in foster care between 2010 and 2014 increased 22 percent. Justice Dawn Beam says the pilot project called Renew Mississippi will provide services to families like drug treatment and parenting and life skill classes. She talks with MP. Desiree Frazier. Renew Mississippi is a pilot. It start, is starting out as a pilot project with the hope of going throughout the state with um, recognizing the tremendous challenge that our parents are facing with drug addiction and um, recognizing that there's a direct correlation since 2011 with drug abuse and child abuse. So we're um, going to pilot this first in Marion and then move to Pearl River come January the 1st and then on to Hancock County with the hope that we can come up with a plan through working with community leaders, churches, uh, the court, the Department of Mental Health, just a variety of groups, the University of Southern Mississippi, to uh, make a model, a pilot, that then we can move throughout the state in helping the court to it and those folks in the county help parents that are addicted to drugs. Those are the three counties that you identified as most hardest hit? Well, there are three counties that have had a tremendous challenge. The reality is, you saw um, on the slideshow that we had, that we do seem to have a pattern in certain areas. There's a high intensity on the coast. I don't know why, but there's a high intensity of um, both um, child abuse and neglect cases, as well as a high intensity of drug overdose. Um, we also see that in many of our coastal counties, you have a high incident of opioid use. The reality, having been on the ground for many years in South Mississippi, I can tell you that what we can't track 
is crystal meth and heroin and illegal drugs. And we have parents that are struggling with that daily. And so we need to help them overcome that. We're recognizing, um, um, having been a judge, I guess I stood in judgment and said, yeah, and said maybe uh, I don't understand why you cannot make that choice. But uh, research has, has shown us that we have a systemic problem. The children that are the, mo- the mothers today were the children 15 or 20 years ago in our court. And they incurred sexual abuse. Um, they incurred physical abuse or hunger or just any number of things. And so that has a trauma- traumatic impact on them. And that trauma is really what's driving oftentimes that drug addiction is that that hurt the way they self-medicate is through drugs. Um, also, there's a um, many of these folks live in in areas that there's a high intensity of drug use. And so just a combination of all that is just unacceptable. And they're not just having an effect, uh, a destructive effect on themselves, but it's a ripple effect that is um, causing extreme damage to our children, whether they be the unborn children where moms are drug addicted or whether those be um, children that have been removed for um, abuse or neglect. How are you going to make this work? With a lot of prayer. <laughs> uh, the reality is when I see the, the need, um, for many years it just seemed like it was insurmountable. But um, when I was asked to be a part of this with the First Lady, I just started networking. And it was amazing to see how many services that we have available, but it just takes somebody bringing all those together in order to address the need. And a, a mom or dad that is struggling with drug addiction um, oftentimes is not able to make the step from A to B, B to C, C to D. But as our community wraps around those moms and dads, we really can help them take on this challenge head on with the hope of breaking the systemic cycle of of drug abuse and child abuse. MPB's Desiree Fraser with State Supreme Court Justice Don Beam. First Lady Deborah Bryant is co-chairing the project. She tells Desiree Fraser she's primarily concerned about the number of young mothers in Mississippi with substance abuse problems. I'm the cheerleader. Uh, I also pay attention. That's one thing that I do. Um, just in anything that I get involved in, I pay attention, uh, whether it's the children's advocacy group at uh, Batson or whatever with the parents. I pay attention to what's going on so that I can intervene when necessary and do whatever I can just in my position. What is your concern about what you heard today? You know, it's such a, well, my concern is, is the number of moms on drugs and the statistics that you just saw. Um, that is frightening. And with all the opioid hype that's coming in now and talking about this, if we've already got this problem, I'm afraid we're going to black our whole state out. Uh, and it, this is frightening, and it, we've got to get a handle on it now. I think we start with the moms because they're the, the ones that affect, you know, that, you know, the moms are usually the ones that the children take care of the children anyway. You know that, Desiree. So, uh, you know, I think where we're starting with the moms and, and trying to keep these children in homes. And, and know this, we will not send the children back to an unsafe home. 
So our goal is to get those homes and the mothers fit to be able to take care of these children. But at the same time, we don't send those children back home until we know that they're safe. You mentioned that the governor is serious about dealing with the foster care issue that the uh, state is facing. What do you want to see come out of this? You know, uh, number one, the foster care issues what, where we have gone with our foster care situation here in Mississippi is we've got too many uh, children going into foster care that they go into a worse situation than they're already in. And that's because of the money. Uh, so many people are signing up for foster care because they get a check for it. And I think that's one reason we, we want to bring the churches into it, uh, because not only would you have a church family bringing up these children, and it's not all about the money, but because the church congregation itself would be a support to those families. So if, so to see, to take care of those children if the family needs a vacation away from it. And let me tell you, it's tough in foster care. It's tough being a parent of your own children. But in foster care with these children with all these issues that they're dealing with, sometimes the parents need to step away. And having a church family there that can give a casserole. I've heard, you know, that there's there's different things. They, they bring casseroles to them and give them a break or they, they keep their children, you know, for them to go on vacation or babysit or whatever. You know, they're a support group for that family. And it's not just a family taking on another family and more issues because they get money for it. And you can say that doesn't happen, but it does happen. And like I said, we have, we've seen children put in foster care homes and these children will tell you they were in a worse situation than they were in their own homes. And we cannot allow that to happen. You say you've been talking to folks from some of the really um, struggling, struggling counties like Hancock, Marion, and Pearl River. Right. That's exactly right. And Hancock was, you know, uh, I first got involved in Hancock County through Mississippi Children's Home Services because they were talking about the efforts. In fact, I went to a, a training course down there for mental health and got certified in recognizing mental health issues in children. And I was there with social workers. Uh, the number of children, the increase of those children, and most of them are drug-related. If you look at the statistics, you'll see that over half of the, the child custody cases are drug uh, Drug-related. MPB's Desiree Frazier with First Lady Deborah Bryant on a new coalition to fight drug abuse among Mississippi parents. In other news, lawmakers are raising concerns over using retired state employees as contract workers. MPB's Paul Boger reports. During fiscal year 2016, the Mississippi Department of Education paid independent contractors approximately $35 million dollars. Of that money, about $3 million went to 114 former state employees who were at that time doing contract work. Superintendent of Education Carrie Wright says the department relies on those contract workers. We just simply don't have enough bodies to do all of the work. You know, we don't have enough people to go out and audit all the federal programs that we've got to audit or all the special ed programs that we've got to audit that we're required by law to audit. So um, the only way we can do that is to get is to get contract workers. I mean, I would literally have to empty the department 100% of the time in order to get all these audits done. But many lawmakers are uneasy with the idea of retired state employees coming back to work for the state. During a hearing of the legislative working group examining the state budget, Senate Appropriations Chair Republican Buck Clark of Hollandale calls the practice worrisome. You mean I can draw retirement and get paid too? Uh, and that really doesn't work right. <laughs> That can be abused somehow, and again, this is paying people who are avoiding being employees. The Department of Education is not the only state agency under legislative scrutiny. Thirteen others are under the microscope, including universities and colleges, public safety, 
Corrections, Medicaid, and Transportation. Lawmakers plan to continue their examination of the intricacies of the state budget in an effort to cut as much unneeded spending as possible. Paul Boger, MPB News. Up next, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on Wi-Fi security. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Take a state that's 90% white, and now refugees are on their way. Maybe Syrian refugees. In Montana, that is fueling widespread conspiracy theories. I mean, there was a lot of sentiment against those refugees. We have no way to know what you're getting. I'm Ari Shapiro. Big Sky Country wrestles with resettlement later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. The World Cafe, what is it? Live interviews and music with artists from genres as diverse as indie rock and jazz, folk and funk. New music and new bands on every show, all presented with wit, warmth, and intelligence. I'm David Dye, and if you already know that's what we do on every World Cafe, then tell a friend to join you for Public Radio's most listened-to music program. Tonight at 10 on MPB Music Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sharita Brent, here with Wilkes Couture, information technology expert at Newcore Steel in Flowood and IT instructor at Holmes Community College. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about Wi-Fi safety, uh, how to use it, and how to protect yourself while you're using Wi-Fi. Wilkes, good morning. Thanks for being in. Good morning, Sharita. Wi-Fi is just taking over the world, pretty much. So people need to be cautious when they are using Wi-Fi. But first of all, what exactly is Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi, like you said, is definitely taking over the world. It's everywhere you can connect to Wi-Fi signals from the coffee shop, from the McDonald's, from just about anywhere. And and what it really is is it's the untethering of that wire out of the wall. It's the connecting to those Internet services that we've all become more and more familiar with without the entanglement of the wires catching up on you. So it's really just your your mobile devices picking these things up. Your TVs now are picking them up. Shoot, they even have refrigerators picking them up. And in most cases, Wi-Fi is always free, right? In general. Uh, we're seeing that a lot more now. If we would have said that a few years ago, uh, some places would kind of charge for it. But countless places that I've walked into, and you'll see a sign on the door. Uh, just the other day, we were going into Steak Escape, and they had a sign that said free Wi-Fi. So it, it is pretty much everywhere. Now I'll tell you where it's not always free, hotels. Uh, because I was staying in a hotel recently, and it was like $12 a day to get high-speed Wi-Fi, but it had an option for free Wi-Fi. So I'm thinking, I'm just going to take the free Wi-Fi, and it was fast, too. Uh, but I thought, man, that that is always disappointing to me when I'm in a hotel and they don't have free Wi-Fi. Oh, it is. I see that especially in casinos. I guess they want you on the floor. They don't want you up in your room. It's kind of like, why is the why is the cable so bad up there? I can only mm-hmm. get like you know, four <laughs> channels. When we talk about Wi-Fi in the home, do you have any thoughts on how to protect that Wi-Fi connection? Because, you know, when you uh, connect to Wi-Fi, everybody's Wi-Fi network pops up. So what can you do to make sure yours is protected and no one else is using your Wi-Fi connection? Well, of course, one of the really big things is to make sure you put a password on there that only you and your family are aware of. It's pretty easy with most of your home routers nowadays to set that. 
I would recommend avoiding things such as your name, your telephone number. You know, your neighbors are going to know that kind of thing. But, but set a password that only you and the you and your family would be aware of. Would be your number one line of defense of keeping keeping other people off. Now, uh, speaking of Wi-Fi safety, you mentioned like Stake Escape and some other places where you drive by and they have free Wi-Fi. What are your thoughts on using public Wi-Fi networks? I use them. However, if I'm on public Wi-Fi, um, basically anything away from my house, uh, I'm not going to do anything that has to do with finances. You know, no going online to make a purchase, no checking my bank account. Um, I really don't even like to go into my email or, or things, you know, that will be password protected, even like a Facebook or an Instagram when I'm on public Wi-Fi. I use usually public Wi-Fi a lot for, oh, I'm trying to see what are the hours of this restaurant and maybe some directions and some some maps. But uh, I guess just me, I'm just naturally a little hesitant to trust when I'm outside of an area that I don't control. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Wi-Fi on Everyday Tech, the show, um, and how you can set up your own little personal network to protect yourself. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email them before or during the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilt Couture, I'm Sharita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. I'm Debbie Miner, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Each week we discuss topics that have to do with keeping you in the best shape of your life or getting you in better shape one step at a time. From healthier eating to exercise routines to supplements and knowing how to read the signals that your body is showing you, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit is here to help Mississippians feel their absolute best. Listen to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A New Jersey-based nonprofit named EdBuild is reviewing the Mississippi Adequate Education Program, the state statute that helps lawmakers determine how much money goes to public schools. But who is EdBuild and what exactly do they do? MPB's Paul Boger spoke with EdBuild CEO Rebecca Siblia. She says the organization will look at a funding formula that takes into account every student. EdBuild is a nonprofit organization uh, focused on bringing common sense and fairness to the way states fund public schools. So what does that mean? Uh, What it means is that uh, we've got three kind of core problems with state funding kind of across the country. Largely, states uh, fund based on kind of arbitrary laws and regulations that have been on the books for years uh, and never really kind of serve the purposes of students and produce wildly different amounts of money for districts that may be serving a similar student population. Uh, The second is that the majority of uh, school funding formulas are completely outdated. Uh, Mississippi's uh, MAEP has been on the books since 1997. Uh, In Georgia, theirs has been on the books since 1986. Uh, the, The 
changes in the way that we're delivering education um, have have happened rapidly over the past uh, few decades, but these school funding formulas no longer align with the way that we're delivering education in the classroom. Uh, and the third problem is that our, our reliance on property taxes that are locally governed and locally raised uh, create the incentive in some states to segregate along socioeconomic lines. Those are three problems that are created by the same policy lever, which is school funding, and that's what we're trying to take on. So how did EdBuild become involved with Mississippi's funding formula? We received a call from the lieutenant governor and the speaker of the house, and they wanted to understand a little bit about the kinds of supports that we could provide to the state. Uh, we had a pretty lengthy conversation about it. We talked to them about our work in other states, including Connecticut and Georgia, uh, and they asked us to formally engage with the state, so we were pretty excited about that. How much is that engagement going to cost the state of Mississippi? Uh, the engagement will cost the state of Mississippi $125,000. Because they said it was 250000 so and half of it's being paid through a uh, through a donation or some, something like that? Yeah. Um, EdBuild is funded uh, for general operating dollars from a multitude of education-specific foundations. Those are on our website. Um, what we told uh, the lieutenant governor specifically is that the true value of uh, our engagement in Mississippi will be about $250,000. That's basically what we've budgeted so far for the staff that'll be associated with the work. Um, but half of that will be covered from our general operating dollars. So far, I know you've not d- dived into MAEP too much, but what are your thoughts on the program? Um, so the first general thought is that it probably is time to revisit it. Uh, it definitely given kind of the last year of, of the major revamp, which was 1997. Uh, so we're encouraged that the state is willing to take on a revisit. One of the other things that we would just note kind of from our national perspective is that uh, there are about 37 states that are funding schools primarily based on the needs of students. Mississippi is not one of those states and, and will be encouraging the legislature to think about moving to a student-focused model. Um, and then, you know, the third is just that uh, there are some kind of key areas that Mississippi's current funding formula do not address, specifically English language learners and kind of a tiered weighting for special education based on the diagnosis of children. Those are kind of our very broad and and first glimpse observations, Um, but obviously there's a whole lot of work to do. So I think you're touching on something that was brought up during the announcement of of looking at this uh, formula, is that more money, according to lawmakers, that more money needs to go into the classroom. I'm assuming that's what you mean by that student-focused spending. Yeah. Um, So it's oftentimes called a weighted student formula. Um, The approach is basically to completely simplify the way that the state is funding schools by funding them based on the number of students and the demographic of the students that are enrolled. So the weighting part of that formula comes from the notion that there are certain students that are just more expensive to serve. Those are specifically low-income students, uh, English language learners, special education, gifted students, et cetera. The, the way that a weighted student formula works is that there's a base cost, and then for each type of special needs for students, 
there is a weight that's applied to that in order to provide additional resources for those student needs. MPB's Paul Boger with Rebecca Siblia, CEO of EdBuild, the New Jersey company hired to review how Mississippi funds public schools. Coming up after Mississippi edition, it's Deep South Dining. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays are credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. It's Marketplace Tech.